Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Woohoo! Hold on, I forgot my prop. And today we are celebrating Taxi's 30th anniversary. <laughs> That's cool. It doesn't work very well, the green screen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the big show. No, I'm not going to do the entire show with that goofy hat. Or with the red nose on. Let's see if everything is broadcasting correctly. Come on, you can do it. There you are. Okay, we're good to go. Um, I'm excited to do the show today. Uh, I literally just finished writing stuff about a minute ago um, and added one more picture. We're going to look at a fair number of photos today. You're going to hear a lot of stories and we're going to give away a lot of prizes on today's show. So... I'm going to mention this right now, and hopefully I won't forget it at the end of the show either, but at the end of the show, people who drop comments uh, under the YouTube video, we're going to pick the best two comments, and those people get either um, an hour consult with Robin Frederick, which I will pay for, or an hour consult with Craig Pilo, Taxi's Head Screener. Um, and if both of you are songwriters, want Robin... No, actually, you know what? Craig can do songwriting too. So yeah, one of you will win Robin and one of you will win Craig. Um, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, let's see, other stuff we're going to give away today too. Count them two taxi t-shirts, uh, one taxi coffee mug, um, not used, brand new. Um, a taxi hoodie, ooh, a rare commodity. Uh, one copy of Shortcuts to Hit Songwriting. I look over there because it's sitting right there. Um, a copy of Shortcuts to Songwriting for Film and TV, also by Robin Frederick, indispensable, I might add. A copy of Steve Barden's book. Um, where is that? Uh, Writing Production Music for TV by Steve Barden. A copy of Bobby Borg's book, which is Music Marketing for the DIY Musician. A copy of Fett's book, which is Fett's Mixing Roadmap. Got that there. And um, like I said, we're going to give away two really cool prizes. Not that the other ones suck, you know, but uh, really cool prizes. Two of you who put the best comments in under the YouTube video are going to win either an hour with Craig Pilo, and I mean a professional consulting hour. <laughs> you don't have to like go on a date with him or anything. And a, an hour professional consult with Robin Frederick. So there you go. Um, wow. If you had told me 30 years ago, I think Taxi opened its doors, I want to say January 15th of 1992 was the first day that we transacted business, that we got our first check. And then the next one came in like a month later. I was scared to death. But if you had told me back then, or even when I had the idea for the company, that I'd be sitting in this chair talking to you guys 30 years later, never would have believed it. You know, the one thing I didn't write in the business plan was an exit strategy, so you may be stuck with me for life. Ooh, I'm looking a little green, right? Let's add a little pink. Let's pink it up a little bit. Let's change that hue. Hue. Uh, a little too pink. There we go. Yeah. Whatever. All right. And now the big transition. Boof. See that? 
Less green. Cool, huh? I control all the video from right here, Taxi World Headquarters. Um, anyway, thank you for joining me. Oh, you know what I didn't do yet? I didn't open the chat. There it is. Hello, chatters. How are you guys? Good to see you. Let me pop the chat room off that page so I can treat it as a separate entity. Uh, minimize that. Let's scooch that over. Let's make this skinnier. All this technical stuff I have to do. Um, okay, wow. Look at all you guys in the chat room. Hello, everybody. Good to see you. Um, <laughs> don't adjust your TV sets. You've reached the taxi zone. Uh, anyway, all right, we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Hopefully we'll have some time at the end so you guys can ask me stuff about, uh, thank you all for saying congratulations, I appreciate it. 30 years, that's slightly less than half of my life. Who the hell knew, you know? I sure didn't. Um, I really literally did not write an exit strategy, so here I am. Uh, <laughs> Greg Andrews says, I never, I would never believe the head of any major company uh, would that's been in the business for 30 years be sitting here on this YouTube the way you do. So thanks for that. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> I know. I can't imagine like, you know, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, uh, any of those guys doing this. But hell, you know, um, oh, thank you all for saying thanks for Taxi. Uh, well. I'm not clowning around when I tell you it's been a long, hard, but very rewarding 30 years. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's start in the beginning. Um, and hold on, I'm looking at my own notes. I mean, I've got pages and pages of notes for this. Um, Okay, I'm going to start off by telling lots of stories about various moments in Taxi's life, but just to kind of get the excitement level up there, <clears throat> let's start by giving away a t-shirt. And uh, I'm going to have you don't start typing anything in the thing yet, but you're going to type a plus one. Please don't do multiple entries. That ain't cool. You know, take one shot like everybody else, and I am just literally going to go like that, put my finger on somebody in the chat room, Tony Salato, <laughs> and I'm going to pick somebody, and then you're going to send Liz at taxi.com an email and uh, what size and what color you want. So are you ready, folks? Here we go. Hang on. I'm looking for... <laughs> That's our cue. Type those plus ones now, and let's give away our first taxi t-shirt. All right, I'm going in early. Powered by Sound Production. Yay, congratulations, Powered by Sound Production. You won the very first prize of the 30th anniversary show. You are going to get a taxi t-shirt. Please email Liz with your real name. Um, if you're a member, please say, I'm a taxi member. Um, your ground address, and if you would like the t-shirt in gray or in white, and what size you would like. And we will get you that t-shirt. Things are, you know, as everything else is moving a little slow these days because of 
transportation issues, blah, blah, blah. I'd say you'll get it within a month, so there you go. Congratulations. Uh, powered by sound production. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> Brett dressed by taxi. Robbie clocked in twice. Woo. <laughs> Robbie who? Uh, when will there be black t-shirts as soon as we can figure out how to deal with the issue of the drop shadow, the shadow underneath the cab? Oh man, I meant to bring, uh, I was going to bring a shirt in today so I could hold it up. Anyway, I, I actually was thinking about that as I was putting, earlier today I did another video for the Arizona Songwriters and I wore my white taxi hoodie and I was looking at myself in the mirror in the bathroom as I was brushing my teeth thinking, how would we ever do a black t-shirt? Because we've got this shading under the cab. We'll figure it out, though. Um, all right. I want to start off by saying thank you to some people who really help shape what Taxi is. It's a long list. And they are, and most importantly, my wife, Deborah. She's the first person who ever heard the idea of Taxi. And she stood by me when we were so broke. How broke were we? really broke. We were so broke we couldn't always pay rent and buy groceries in the same week. We were broke. Um, she was involved with Taxi from the very beginning and looking back I think uh, a lot of people would have gotten out of that relationship. We were, I don't even think we were engaged at, we were boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. Man, she should have run for the hills. So I want to show you a picture of my wife in the first few months of taxi. Let's see if I can do this without screwing up any tech. There she is, Deborah Lasko. Actually, then she was Deborah Hansen, probably. I don't see a ring on her finger yet. Um, we used to stay up till the wee hours in the morning, notice what she's doing. She's folding. We didn't know that they're actually, and nobody told us the copy shop. They had a folding machine that would tri-fold a piece of paper. So we would take a thousand or two thousand of these things and sit there and fold every one of them um, and then hand address the envelopes because we didn't own label making software yet. I'm not even sure it existed back in 1992, quite frankly. Um, you can see on the floor behind Deb, um, kind of by her right elbow, um, is a little booklet we used to send out called Rules of the Road, which I'm going to show you now. So the one at the top was what we used to package in the new member kits that we would send out to people. The bigger one down below is one that we came out with probably five, six, seven years later. But yes, my wonderful wife would sit there and work countless hours. She's really good at doing like manual tasks like that really, really quickly. And uh, the thing is, Deb, I think, you know, she, I hope she didn't see this episode. She's got really hard to read handwriting. And she would address those envelopes by hand and probably 10% of them would come back undeliverable. And I'd have to rewrite them. She was also getting two master's degrees at once. So she would work at night with me, and when she was gone during the day, I would repackage the stuff and write the addresses in nice block letters so that they could get where they were going. Anyway, there's my lovely wife. Um, couldn't have done it without you, honey. And uh, she's still here 30 years later. Um, we're coming up on our 30th anniversary in August of this year, and we've been together as a couple for... 33 years. Wow, we might have been engaged when we took that. When, yeah. 
Actually, we were because we got married in 92. Anyway, oh, I did something on my sheet. I showed a photo of Deb stuffing envelopes. Yay me. Um, a double masters, yep. Uh, oh, thank you, guys. Um, okay, so there's that. Um, well, she's still here, far more involved in the company today than she ever has been before. She's my constant sounding board. Uh, sadly, Taxi goes to bed with us more nights than we'd like. We end up talking about it. It's not uncommon to find the two of us in bed next to each other with our laptops going morning and nighttime. Um, we try not to do it on vacation, but sometimes we do. Um, and she comes up with a lot of really good ideas, and she has become like the the queen of member services and the queen of the database, which is really funny to me because Deb is not the most technical person in the world, but she has become that, so yay. So let's give away one more t-shirt to celebrate uh, my awesome wife. Um, and let's do it again. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't too much information. I didn't give you anything but the laptop stuff. Um, Congratulations, Jesse JPEC, on 31 years. There's a brave woman. <laughs> Kidding. Um, anyway, okay, plus ones. Uh, and we're going to pick another winner to get another T-shirt. Hey, Mark Fell, how are you? All right, I'm giving this one away right now to Ken Mesford because he was number one. I've never given one away to the first person to type a plus one. So, Ken, you got it. Plus, he's a loyal viewer of, uh, of Taxi uh, TV and the Quarantini Happy Hour. And you know what? I'm going to give away a bonus prize here. I'm going to scroll up a little bit and scroll down. Boom, right there. John Engelman. Um, John Engelman, you too get a t-shirt. So there you go. Congratulations. Both of you guys send an email to Liz at taxi.com. Give her your ground address. Um, let her know if you're a current member. Um, your ground address. Let's see. Oh, uh, if you prefer a white t-shirt or a gray t-shirt and your size. So there you go. Um, all right, moving on. So I'd also like to say thanks to somebody that some of you old timers might remember. His name is Doug Minnick. Um, Doug started out as one of the original 10 or 11 taxi screeners. Uh, he was a creative director, one of the publishing companies, one of the big publishing companies. I can't remember which one now. Anyway, he did publishing for years and years and years. And uh, he came on board as a taxi screener, and the first batch of screeners, and then after a year or so of being a screener, one day he walked in uh, to where my desk was. I don't think we had an office. I think we had a bedroom in the apartment. Um, anyway, he walked in and he just said, I love what you're doing with this company. I get it. I can't believe nobody else has ever done it before. I love your work ethic. I love your members. I want to be part of the company. Can I join your staff? And I hired him. And hopefully the statute of limitations has run out now. But uh, I actually couldn't afford to pay him other than whatever cash I literally had in my wallet that day, which was not a lot. 
um, and we ate Domino's pizza probably four or five days a week. Doug and I would sit on the kitchen counter together just brainstorming ideas for taxi um, and eating Domino's pizza and he quickly in about a year I think we made him our vice president of the company and he stayed with the company I want to say for 12 years and his contributions were amazing. Um, he, I could, if he were still around when I started Taxi TV, he's somebody I would have entrusted the show to. Um, one of the very few people I've ever let moderate panels at the road rally. He wrote listings, he had great ears, he had tons of industry contacts, and I looked forward to working with him every day of the week. And uh, I, I miss having him here, but I still keep in touch with him. We talk probably, I don't know, three, four times a year. Um, so, thank you, Doug. Um, I also want to thank Tom Hawley and Brent and Tiffany Hines at Recording Magazine. They were the first people I ever took a print ad out with in Recording Magazine, and they let me rack up, get ready for this, an $18,000 debt with them on nothing more than a single insertion order, uh, which is basically, I'd like to run my ad in that month for this amount of money. Nothing more than an insertion order and a handshake and a promise that even if the company went belly up that I would pay them every penny of that $18,000 no matter how long it took. And Tom looked at me and he said, I believe you. All right, and he shook my hand and uh, I eventually did pay back that $18,000. Um, faster than I would have thought, actually. It took a few years. I thought it was going to take like 20 or 30 years. Um, anyway, uh, uh, and we've been running ads there ever since. So thank you, Tom Hawley and Brent and Tiffany Hines. You guys were great friends. Um, I'd also like to thank, do you believe it? We've had over 400, probably close to 500 some odd screeners now whose expertise over the last 30 years has served our members incredibly well. They take their jobs very, very seriously, and I appreciate that a great deal. Um, I should mention that right now, this group of screeners that we've had for like the last year and right now, um, the best we've ever had. We may have had some bigger names like people that were, you know, senior vice president of Sony ATV music publishing or a former A&R person at Atlantic Records. Um, we found out over the years that uh, the people with the big titles from the record side of the industry aren't that really good at giving feedback. So we don't endeavor to find them as screeners anymore so much. Um, songwriters, producers uh, give great feedback. People who've worked on the production side, the intake side, I should say, you know, like signing people at production music libraries or putting together their compilations that go out, those people are great. Um, anyway, we've got the best group of highly qualified screeners with great resumes that we've ever had in the company's history. And uh, we track their performance and we track the number of complaints we get. We look and see um, every one of the critiques gets at least a healthy glance before it goes out the door here to make sure that they're not messing anything up. And they're doing a great job. We have um, A&R staff meetings every other Wednesday, and we go through all the different aspects of the A&R function at Taxi, and we look at the screener stats, and they're just, they're awesome. So um, congratulations, screeners. Um, I would like to thank Mr. Craig Kalman, who is now chairman 
of the board and CEO at Atlantic Records. Craig was the very first person in the history of the world to ever run a listing with Taxi. Um, brave soul that he was, but I, I reached out to him and he answered me right away. Got to remember, when I started this company, you literally put a phone in a cradle for your modem. Um, if you sent an email, you would hit send and it would take anywhere between a couple of minutes and maybe five or 10 minutes to send, you know, like a, a one paragraph email. Um, Kalman didn't even have email. I just called Atlantic Records. He was like vice president at the time. And I, I called him up and said, hi, Craig, my name is Michael Lasko. I know how hard you work and how much you've accomplished. And it's really cool that Atlantic made you their VP of A&R. Um, I just started a company called Taxi and here's what we do. And I would love it if you would try us. And he went, that sounds cool, man. All right. And he ran listings with us right from the get-go. So that made it easier for me to call other major label A&R people and say, well, Craig Kalman's doing it. So thank you, Craig. Years later, like, I don't know, 10 years later, um, I was flying to New York um, and I was in the security line and I saw a guy wearing a really cool rock and roll t-shirt and I tapped him uh, on the on the shoulder um, thinking he had to be in the industry because you don't get t-shirts like this guy was wearing unless you're in the industry. Uh, these are like, you know, small distribution, like they make 20 of them or 50 of them. And only people on the inside get them. And I could tell that this was one of them. So tapped him on the shoulder and he turned around. It was Kalman. Uh, I don't think we, oh no, we had met face to face. I'd taken him out to lunch or dinner a couple of times when I went to New York. So I knew him um, and he knew me. And we start chit-chatting in a security line before you go through the golden arches at LAX. And uh, some while we were chatting, which literally from the minute he put his laptop on the conveyor belt um, to the time he realized it had been hijacked, stolen from the conveyor belt, was not more than a minute or so. And I, to this day, feel terrible because I distracted him. I keep my, when I put my laptop on that thing, I do not take my eyes off of it. I literally don't because of that incident. So Craig, if you happen to be watching today's show, I'm so friggin' sorry that I assisted you in losing that laptop. It's all my fault and I know it. Anyway, thank you for being brave enough to run the first listing. Um, I appreciate it more than you know. Uh, oh, look, it's time to give away another prize. Um, I could give you, this is going to be a coffee mug. We could give you a coffee mug with Craig Kalman's face on it. Um, but uh, no, let's give away a taxi coffee mug, okay? Um, so you know the drill, plus ones, and this time I'm going to shut my eyes. I'm going to let things get rolling a little bit, and I'm going to shut my eyes, and I'm going to go like that. Somebody's going to win a coffee mug. Come on, there you go. Okay, now they're rolling in. Come on, a little faster, bink. Okay, whoa, hold on. Jesse J. Peck, <laughs> I knew it said Ewert, but it's Jesse J. Peck talking to Ewert. So Jesse J. Peck, you get a taxi coffee mug. Um, for some reason, I have a feeling you already have one. If that's the case, please let Liz know and we will send you a taxi t-shirt in the color and size you prefer. Please email Liz at taxi.com, give her your home address and all that stuff. And congratulations, man.
happy that you won that. Uh, oh, Martin Frog is drinking tea in a taxi mug right now. Do you? Th I actually do own a taxi mug, but it's at the house, not at the office. I should have it at the office. Um, I rarely drink coffee at work. I usually gulp down a cup or two in the morning, though, before uh, <laughs> you'll take the hubcaps. <laughs> Anyway, I rarely drink coffee at work, so if I brought it here, it would end up like this taxi coffee mug, which is just filled with pens and letter openers and scissors and stuff. Um, all right. I could pour my rock star into a taxi mug, yet then I'd probably drink it too quickly. By the way, I think it's time to have a sip of a rock star. Okay, I need to pick up the pace here. I got a lot of ground to cover. All right. Um, anyway, thanks again, Craig Kalman, for running that first listing with us all the way back in 1992. I'd also like to thank the various staff members we'd have over 30 years. There have been a lot. They've come and gone. Some have lasted five, ten years. Others have lasted five months. <laughs> One guy lasted about three weeks. Um, I think he might hold the record. Um, anyway, Excuse me. So the current staff, which I'm very happy and proud to say is the best staff that we've ever had. In aggregate, they are such a great team, and I love working with them. They may not feel the same way about me, but, you know, I've got the microphone right now, so let's just say I really love working with them. Um, and they are, once again, my wife, Deb, Angel Mara Diaga, Tom Stillwagon, Bria McTavish, Hyphen Abrahamson, I did that on my own, she didn't tell me to, Matthew Hutchison, Craig Pilo, Eric Anderson, Ariana Cubillos Vogler, Liz Cohn, Annie Dingwall, and Randy Renteria. Thank you guys for just being awesome all the time. You know, I can't wait until we can do another physical road rally just so that the newer staff members who've never experienced a rally um, get to experience the love that the staff always feels by hanging out with you guys at the rally. So that's my gift to the staff. Um, I just recently gave them all taxi hoodies, so I can't give them like t-shirts or mugs or anything. Uh, I'd also like to thank our web developers, Michael Cheney and Adam Giacopuzzi, whose great work happens on call pretty much 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Um, they're only two days a year. They try really hard not to reach out to either of them, and that's Christmas Day and uh, Easter Day. But I have been known to contact them on Thanksgiving. One year, I can't remember if it was Adam or Cheney, one of them actually got up from Thanksgiving dinner. We had a major problem on the website, and one of them got up and left the Thanksgiving dinner, went into a bedroom with a laptop, solved the problem. So whichever one of you guys that was, Thank you. Um, I also can't forget our Road Rally volunteers um, with special mentions to Neil McTavish and Clark Van Norris, um, who take very special care in setting up the stage for the Road Rally every year. Uh, JP, John Pearson, actually ha has worked with them on that every year. I, I, I'm somewhat fanatical about how the stage looks, although the banner is impossible to get it totally straight and wrinkle-free, but um, these guys know where my bar is set, and they spend hours in that ballroom every year kind of helping out the audio guys and getting the banner and the chairs and the tables and everything. 
Um, anyway, really, really appreciate um, what they've done over the years and look forward to seeing them again. I want to thank Keith LeBrant, who is in the house today, um, for this. That is Mr. Keith LeBrant's handiwork, um, and thank you, Keith. Uh, he called me this year. I called him. He said, you want me to do a new track for the 2021 rally? And I said, no. I, I love this one way too much. It's just perfect. It, it, it fits the personality of the company of our goofy little show here, and um, he nailed that thing, I think, in practically no time, which is not surprising. He's very, very talented, very efficient in his recording and production and playing. And no, Keith, I haven't listened to the album yet, but I will try really, really hard. Um, I'm going to be on a very long plane flight in a few days, and I will listen there because um, there won't be any... Well, I guess I could get internet, but I, I won't. Um Anyway, thank you for that, Mr. LeBrant. Um, okay, so I want to, yeah, Neil McTavish, Clark Van Norris, John Pearson, um, and I can't forget our awesome audio crew whose names I just didn't have right around here at the moment. Uh, sorry about that, guys, because you're incredibly good. Um, our excellent photographer, Jim DeMonica, and the entire staff of the Westin LAX Hotel. They take such, got such great care of our members when we're there. I love working with those people, um, and I can't wait to see them again. Nellie, if you ever see this, you know how much we all love you, right? Carla, thanks for all the little special perks. I get to park my car for free at the Westin LAX when I go out of town, rather than paying $35 a day at the lot. Thank you, Westin. Uh, and of course, they're too numerous to name, um, but I owe a very, very deep credit, debt of gratitude to every one of the record companies, music publishers, music supervisors, production music libraries, and ad agencies that have literally thousands of them. Not exaggerating that. I mean, last time I looked, I don't know, it was like two or 3,000 some years ago. Um, Let's see, music supervisors, production music libraries, and ad agencies that have entrusted us with finding them the right music for 30 friggin' years. Taxi's success simply could not have happened without their trust. So thank you all, starting with Craig Kelman. Uh, I'd like to thank Rob Shirelli. He was the very first meeting with me at McDonald's when I pitched the concept of Taxi to him in late 1991. Um, he liked the idea, but not enough to invest, and he's been kicking himself in the butt for that ever since. He always says to me, you know, Lasco, I've made one big mistake, and that's not investing in your company. <laughs> Maybe more than one, Rob, <laughs> but we'll give you that one. Uh, anyway, uh, Rob is literally like a brother to me. Um, we're the kind of friends who share the most intimate details of our personal and our work lives. Um there's nobody other than my wife that I would turn to faster uh, in an hour of need than, than Rob Shirelli. Um, his friendship and support of Taxi over these 30 years has been nothing but uh, just precious to me. I, I really, uh, words can't describe how much I love that guy. And um, I mean, sometimes we go, I haven't talked to him like two to three months. Doesn't matter. Um, does not matter. Anyway, um, speaking of Shirelli, 
Um, he loves wearing hoodies, so let's give away a taxi hoodie. How's that? All right, taxi hoodie. So on this one, you can put your name in twice, just this time around. I know some of you are cheating already, but that's okay. Um, and uh, the reason I'm doing that is that I want, uh, I don't know. I figure everybody gets two chances. That's what I want. I want everybody to have two chances. So hit it, plus ones, if you would like um, a taxi hoodie. All right, they're rolling in, and oh, I'm opening my eyes so I can hit the thing, and boom. Jan W., Jan Wyland. You know, I told you guys we were going to do some taxi trivia, and I didn't even print out the trivia questions. Holy crap. And I actually thought of Jan Wyland while I was um, looking at trivia questions. Um, all right, I'll tell you what. Let's give away one more taxi hoodie. Jan, send an email to Liz at taxi.com. Give her an address. Tell her what size. Um, gray or white. Uh, the hoodies, I think, shrink a little bit. I bought an XL. I like mine baggy. I bought an XL and then shrunk it down to a large. Um, so we're going to give away one more hoodie to the first person uh, who can answer this trivia question. When I go fishing, my favorite kind of fish to catch is... What is my favorite kind of fish to catch? Tony Salazzo, you are the winner. Snuck, good job. Some people put in tarpon. You know what? Um, snook is my absolute, tarpon are just more plentiful and I catch them all the time and I love to fish for them. But snook is one of the few fish that I will actually keep and eat because as I once saw one in a canal and the thing was like the size of a small shark, like the size of your leg. And I ran, I drove to a tackle shop and I ran in all sweaty because I had to run about a quarter of a mile to get back to my car. And then uh, <laughs> I ran in the store and there uh, was this very, very large southern man working behind the counter and I said I, 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 I just saw a, a, a shark in, in that um, saltwater canal back there and he said that were no shark that were a snook <laughs> it was like talking to Forrest Gump or something <laughs> anyway that's when I first heard about snook and he said it's the finest tasting fish on a fin and he was so right you can't buy it commercially you can really only catch it like a part of uh, the Gulf of Mexico, uh, the southeast part of Florida, um, Costa Rica, and some of Central America. It is so delicious. It's hard to describe, but it's white, non-oily, very flaky, light-tasting fish with a hint of like sugar in it. It's almost almost tastes like it was soaked in sugar water before you cooked it. It's sweet. Anyway, I love me here. I'm going to show you a picture of a snook. How am I doing on time? Okay. Snookfish JPEG. 
Showing pictures that match. Okay, showing pictures that match. Wow, it's up $395 for a print of this. That is a snook. It's the only fish you will ever see that has a very definite black line down inside. They are smart. I think that they are German shepherds in fish bodies. They're super smart fish. Um, they're very voracious eaters. When you hook one, they will do every trick in the book to try and get away from you. And uh, if you catch one, it's a real prize. Um, I think the limit is only two of them a day. Uh, it does have a nose on it, a snout like a walleye kind of, but it's salt water. Um, sometimes brackish water as well. Anyway, they're a ton of fun to catch. Best eating fish on a fin. Um, amazing. So there you go. Um, I can't who won that? God, I'm getting old. <laughs> Cook a snook should be a phrase. I'm sure somebody said it. Um, how big are they? I've caught them as little as like this big, like 14 inches, um, and you'd have to throw that away or throw it back, not throw it away. Um, biggest one I ever caught was about three feet long and weighed 20 some pounds. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. Tony won. Tony Salazzo. I thought for sure Andre would get it. But Andre guessed tarpon, which we do talk about. He knows I love to fish for tarpon, but snook is my number one. Tarpon are, I, I catch those a lot, and it takes a certain amount of practice to learn how to catch tarpon. Um, snook, when you get one, it's just like, I would rather catch one snook in a whole day of fishing than half a dozen big tarpon. So there you go. Um, okay, let's see. What else can I talk about? Um, Two other people who are no longer with us, sadly, but had an indelible impact on the taxi ethos are John Brahaney, who was with us from the very, very start, actually before I made my first dollar with taxi, and remained here until his passing several years ago, and my dear friend Ralph Murphy, who taught me so much about songwriting, the industry, and the songwriter's soul. I miss them both every day. Um, I think about those guys a lot. I always tell Deb, Deb actually got very close with Ralph a lot. Uh, he would stay at our house um, at least once a year. And Deb really loved him. He's, <laughs> he was goofy, uh, highly intelligent, had a story for every occasion, um, complained about songwriters, <laughs> and loved him to death at the same time. Um, I also want to mention Michael Lloyd, um, who he and Rob and I and our wives go out to dinner. We haven't done that in COVID times, but I'm sure we will again someday. Um, Michael Lloyd, as you well know, is a legendary record producer with 100 gold and platinum records on his wall. Um, probably best known for the Dirty Dancing uh, film soundtrack, um, which is incredibly good, obviously. Um, but Michael Lloyd, for those of you who are regulars, you know this already, when I was a little upstart in the, in the recording studio world and I would see a picture of Michael Lloyd in magazines like Recording Magazine or Mix Magazine, Michael Lloyd, record producer, um, and I would listen to things that he worked on and just think, God, what I wouldn't give to meet a guy like that, just be able to ask him questions. And now he's an extremely close friend of mine. And... Uh, 
it's funny how life takes these little turns that you never would have imagined, you know. Um, I was going to say, I can't remember how we met, but I do remember. We met through a mutual friend. Anyway, I'm grateful for his friendship and his wise counsel as well. So I'm sure I must have left some people out. There are four people I can't forget to thank. Their investment in Taxi has been the millions of times, I'm sure, that they couldn't get enough of my attention because the company has been so all-consuming. Of course, I'm speaking about our four daughters, Rachel, Sarah, Hannah, and Gabs, or Gabriella, the older. Eh, everybody still calls her Gabs. She's our spunky little baby of the family. Not such a baby anymore. Um, I once apologized <clears throat> after the earthquake in 94, and we were living in a temporary apartment because the, the apartment slash taxi office got destroyed, got red tagged in the earthquake, the Northridge quake in 94. And uh, Rachel and Sarah were probably around 10 and 13 years old. And by that age, they were coming out and spending whole summers here in LA uh, with Deb and I. And um, <clears throat> One day I said something to the girls. Deborah would say to me, come on, your kids are here for a month or whatever. You know, be a dad. Like, take them out miniature golfing or bowling or to a movie or do something. Just quit working, will you? She was right, of course. Um, and I said something to the girls. I said, I'm so sorry. It's just literally if I'm awake, I have to work because that's what it takes to make this company hum along. The company was only a couple of years old, so we were in, you know, we could have died any minute at that point. You know, I was not, um, I was not making any serious money. I think I was paying myself $30,000 a year, if I remember correctly back then. Um, anyway, Rachel said to me at 13 or 14 years old, however old she was, she said, but dad, I've learned something very, very valuable by seeing you work so much. Uh, I said, what's that? And she goes, anybody can be successful at anything if they want it badly enough and work really hard at it and they just never give up. So hopefully that made up for all the attention that I wasn't able to give. Um, the fact that she learned that, um, I, I wish everybody in the world knew that because I am a firm believer. I, I, I've done it. I know that if you want something badly enough, you can absolutely have it. There's nothing, you can't blame anybody else um, for your failures and, and you will fail, um, but ultimately you'll succeed. You know what they say, you gotta keep, it's not about falling down, it's about getting back up, right? Anyway, um, so thank you, Rach, for um, letting me off the hook a little bit and thank you, um, Rachel, Sarah, Hannah, and Gabriella for being awesome daughters that I'm proud of every single day. All right, says give away another prize. Um, so I'm supposed to give away two prizes right now, actually. One of them is a see-through prize. <laughs> I know this never gets old. Holding up Robin, <laughs> this book has a lime green cover. Um, same color as the green screen behind me, so <laughs> that's why it's transparent. But yeah, it blocks my face, but not the console. How cool is that? You get a free Neve console with every one of these books. So the first one I'm going to give away is Robin Frederick's incredibly good book, Shortcuts to Songwriting for Film and TV. Uh, I see Pierre just said, I've got this one already. For those of you who've got it, don't bother typing in a plus one, okay? Give other people a shot here. Um, this book is the only book to this day on the market 
that tells you how it's different writing songs for film and TV. And you know how great Robin is writing songwriting books. So um, there you go. If you want to get your stuff placed in film and TV, it ain't like writing regular songs so much. Anyway, type your plus ones in. And Liz, I'm going to let you pick this one. You give it the fickle finger of fate. Man, am I hungry. Did you pick one yet, Liz? <laughs> Suspense. Martin Gravel. Yay. Um, Martin, do you live in the United States? Because if you don't, we will send you um, probably a uh, an Amazon um, gift card so you can buy it wherever you are or get the, um, the digital version of... These three books are actually available digitally. Um, it's level one, level two, and level three, which are an expansion of shortcuts to hit songwriting. Doesn't have anything about film in it. So hopefully you do live in the United States and it's not a problem. All right, one book down. Okay, and now I'm gonna give away, I'm above 48. So you're in Canada? or you're in Alaska, whatever, we'll get you a book. Um, all right, now, Seared Snook, oh, oh, talk to me, Cass, talk to me. All right, now we're gonna give away um, Robin Frederick's best-selling book, Shortcuts to Hit Songwriting, which many of you already, oh, look at that, I don't have a shadow anymore. Many of you already have this book. It's amazingly good if you haven't read it. If you do have it, please don't put your name in, in the pot for this. All right, and Liz, I'm gonna have you pick this one as well. So let them roll, plus one. I keep forgetting to bring it in, but I've got one of the original bound draft copies that the printer sends you to like check out before you okay them doing a complete run signed to robin by um lamont dozier one of the greatest living songwriters on the planet earth who wrote like you know 60 percent of the motown hits with holland dozier in holland um and, and he signed it i had him sign one to robin at the road rally probably 12 years ago and i put it in a bookshelf at home and i never ever remember to bring it to work and give it to her Lamar Pecorino wins this one. Congratulations, Lamar. <clears throat> All right, that was fun. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Okay, next I'd like to thank a minor partner who owns 3.7% 3 of the company. Um, from the very beginning, uh, she was our attorney in setting up the company back when we first incorporated in early, 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 late, probably late 91 or early 92. Nancy Slater, who's like a sister to me. Um, she's been a friend for so long. She did the legal work for the startup 
and was my shoulder to cry on and my trusted advisor when we went through a five-year-long lawsuit. Nancy's an attorney. She couldn't represent the company because she's a partner in the company. Um, but frankly, she had more sage advice than the $500 an hour lawyers. I had one lawyer that was 800 bucks. This dragged on for five years, was in my face literally every single day for five years. I remember at the 20, is either 2014 or 2015 road rally, I literally upstairs in my room between every panel, you know, um, proofing legal briefs, talking to the lawyers and coming down on stage and, you know, having the responsibility of like not losing it on stage and running the road rally. That was a very, very, very tough time. Nancy Slater was there for me every friggin' night for five years. Um, I would sit on the couch in our family room and just talk to her for hours every night, going over what the lawyers thought was the best idea, and we often disagreed with them. Um, ultimately, I fired two of the attorneys, got a new attorney that I loved, and he won the case. It was one of those lawsuits that never should have been brought. The whole thing was nothing but a sham. Everybody knew it, including the judge, but there's a process. You gotta go through the process. You can't just walk in and go, Your Honor, nobody did anything wrong. Look, you can't do that. It literally took a half a million dollars to get to that day, and as soon as we got to that day, it was over. And the scumbag attorney, who's just one of those guys that files lawsuits against everybody, knowing that he kept telling me, give me a quarter of a million dollars and I'll go away, and I wouldn't do it. And my own lawyers kept saying, settle, settle, settle. Everybody kept saying, settle it, except for my wife and Nancy Slater. And uh, I think my daughters probably didn't want me to settle. And uh, it would have been a lot less painful, <clears throat> but I can't let scumbags get away with stuff like that. So it cost me um, an, another quarter of a million dollars to prove that point, but I'm glad that I made that decision. Toughest five years of my life. But as I said, every single day, you know what? It ain't cancer. My thing was a speed bump. Um, anyway, Nancy, thank you. Um, she's still a partner and, and um, has been a dear, dear friend. Like I said, she's like a sister to me. Uh, and finally, I want to thank one of my oldest and dearest friends in the world, Michael Letter. I affectionately call him Jaime because that was his nickname when we met in college because he's like a little old Jewish man. So we, you know, you kind of, we called him Jaime, like, you know, uh, and, and not the derogatory. <laughs> Some people will call Jews Jaime. No, not that way. More, there's actually a name called Jaime. Um, and anyway, we've known each other since the very first day of college. I literally remember stepping off the elevator on the sixth floor of Mahoney Hall at the University of Miami and seeing this guy with his giant fro. Ooh, my hands are green. A uh, giant fro on his hair, uh, on his head, and thinking, whoa, how do you keep that looking good? I mean, it was huge. It, it looked like an ice cream cone. Anyway, we became fast friends, um, like instant friends and, and like brothers. And um, I called him. We, we obviously stayed in touch after college. And I called him one day and I said, I've got an idea for a business. And he said, you always have an idea for business. I said, wait till you see this one. He said, all right, write up a, uh, a business plan and come to Dallas. He was a haircutter at the time. And he saved his tip money in cash, put it in a safety deposit box on the bottom floor, the bottom tier of the vault at his bank. The bank didn't tell people who had things in that vault that their fire sprinklers went off, flooded the vault. 
his money, which was all dollars and fives mostly, maybe some 20s thrown in there, um, turned to mush. It literally turned to like moldy clay because it was soaked and sitting in there for years in this uh, dank water from the fire sprinklers. So when he gave me the money, he gave me $60,000 to start this company with. And I flew home from Dallas with that money in a Ziploc bag and then inside of a grocery bag. If they'd stopped me and searched me, I would have looked like a drug dealer. And I remember it smelled so bad. It literally smelled like a locker room or something, you know, just that dank ugh, smell. And I put it in the overhead on the plane and the whole way home from uh, Dallas to LAX, you see people kind of looking at Nobody could figure out where it was coming from. Anyway, he was a very brave soul. And you can really, um, you know who your friends are when you ask them for $60,000 that they may never get back. I mean, statistically, there was no chance he was getting that money back. 95% uh, of all startup businesses fail in the first year. Uh, I think it's 98% of them have failed within the first five years. Well, anyway, I'm proud um, and happy to say that I bought him out after 15 years, and he did very, very, very well with that investment. So, Michael Letter, I love you like a brother. Thank you for being a brave soul. He worked here at Taxi for, for many years as well. Um, all of us wouldn't know each other. This company wouldn't be here. None of this would have happened had he not made that investment. So there you go. All right. So now a little career path stuff for me. Um, oh, and it says, before I do career path, give away another prize. Let's give away a copy of Steve Barden's book. Writing production music for TV by Steve Barden. Um, save the, the questions for later, Nance, because uh, I will ask or answer some. All right, so excellent book. Got to have it if, if you don't already own it. So many of our members have this. Um, so there you go. Saying me, me, me doesn't help. Um, do a plus one, and uh, Liz is going to pick the winner for that one as well. Ooh, Paul Smith got it for Christmas. Good gift. It's an indispensable book. If you want to do music for television, especially instrumental tunes, got to have this book. Um, wow, Pat War has read them all so far. Good job on that, Pat. Pick a winner, chicken dinner. Heidi Owen. Woohoo! Congratulations, Heidi. You're going to love this book. And if you're not already doing instrumentals, you will be soon. All right. So um, as you guys know, I, I worked in recording studios. I started out at Criteria Studios. I honestly can't remember if it was 1974 or 75 when I got my job there. Um, luckiest guy in the world. Great studio. I learned so much. I got to work with like literally many probably like 30 to 50% of the best engineers and producers in the world were either staff members there or came through there on a regular basis. And I got to work with a lot of them and I learned so much. It was my dream come true. I, I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. I wanted to make records for a living. I got a job at Criteria. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and then after two years, I left there to go do a record with a band called Wild Oats, I want to say. 
I knew nothing. I was an idiot. <laughs> I really I sucked as an engineer, probably worse as a producer. But I struck out on my own to do a record with Wild Oats. And after I finished that record, I heard about a studio that was built in Fort Lauderdale that was equivalent to Criteria as far as the construction and the sound and the gear. Um, and it was just some wealthy grandfather had it built for his grandson who couldn't get a job at Criteria. And the kid's like, I want a studio. So grandpa built him a studio. And I went there to work on another record because I couldn't get into Criteria with the next thing I was going to produce. And um, they were booked for like six months or a year out. I mean, it's crazy trying to get in there. So I went to this place in Fort Lauderdale, uh, Triad Recording, and I walked in there and I loved the place and I didn't leave for five and a half years. And, and the kid who owned it decided that he was going to smuggle, get ready for this, he was going to smuggle ether to the guys processing drugs in South America. Um, so rather than importing drugs into the U.S., he was taking ether, waterbeds filled with ether, and like a B-17 bomber to South America. He bought the plane, got a pilot's license in about a week, painted it flat black, <laughs> and put waterbeds, took all the seats and everything out, put waterbeds in there, filled them with ether, and would fly that flying bomb down to South America to sell the ether at ungodly prices to the people processing the drugs in South America. So I basically had my own world-class 24-track room with virtually identical equipment to criteria for the next five and a half years. Um, so I have a couple of pictures today that <clears throat> I don't think I've shown you guys before. <clears throat> Sorry. Ooh, that probably sounded horrible on mic. Anyway, I had a great time at Triad Recording, um, and it was my room 365 days a year, so I got a lot of, um, a lot of practice in. I got to make a lot of mistakes at my client's expense. Shh, don't tell anybody. All right. See if anybody can guess who the guy sitting at the console is. I'm in the back of the shot with a bunch of tape wrapped around me. Does anybody know that rock star is sitting at that console? I must have been in the middle of doing a 24-track 2-inch tape edit. Check out the shorts on the dude on the left. I remember every time he sat down to do an overdub, all of us in the control room were like, dude, put that stuff away. The shorts would hike up when he sat down chair. It was gross. Um, let's see if anybody picks that. I will tell you, he was a hard rock guy. Um, no, not David Cassie, not Todd Rundgren, not a BG, not Weird Al, snorting whiskey. Uh, snorting something, uh, Booger T. Jones, <laughs> no, um, not Eddie Van Halen. Yes, Dan Weber got it. It's Pat Travers. Good job, Dan Weber. That is Pat Travers. What was his hit? I want to say it's called Slick Titty Boom or something like that. I don't know. He had a couple of hits. Anyway, he was actually a lot of fun to work with. Um, he was producing that band, and I was engineering. Um, boom, boom. Oh, boom, boom, out go the lights. That's all right. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, gosh, I ran into Pat like 15 years ago somewhere, like a 7-Eleven at midnight or something. Um, anyway, that's that. That was, uh, there you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was Triad recording. All right, see if you can pick out this artist. This is also done at Triad. Who's the guy on the right? Yeah, that was me in the back with the tape wrapped around me. Something exploded by you today, Marion? That's not good. Eddie Money, that's right. Uh, not Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh has blonde hair. Come on. Um, anyway, yep. That was Eddie Money. That was probably around 1978 or 79. Um, and the uh, funny thing is that Eddie, until he passed away pretty recently, right? Like a year or two ago, um, must have lived very close to me uh, because I would see him in the parking lot and in the grocery store uh, that's like, I don't know, half a mile from my house. Anyway, um, I did some stuff with Pat Travers. None of the stuff that went on that record, you know, something that people don't talk about much is a lot of times you do recordings with people that um, end up not going, don't get released, or they come up with an alternate version, they turn it into the record label, and the label goes, I don't like that song, let's not put it on the album, or the song needs a bridge, and they end up redoing it in another city and another studio. So yeah, Pat was one of those guys that, um, no, that wasn't a taxi shirt over his shoulder, that was a triad recording sh shirt over his shoulder. No, that's not me. That was, I think that was his manager. Um, paneling, yeah, that was in my partner's office. That was my friend Doug Wyrick, who was the general manager and paid all the bills and stuff. Um, that was the office everybody went in to party. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, there's so much about those sessions, the Eddie Money sessions, I want to tell you, but I'm going to be a professional and not tell tales out of school. Uh, yep, that's, do you know we expanded the studio uh, probably a year or two after that? And we literally just ran in that office and hit the wall. Uh, we took the pictures off the wall um, and just ran at the wall with our hands and the whole wall just went, Poof. yep, the Maxell tape poster. That's right, the one blowing the dude's hair back. Uh, anyway, all right, I got to pick up the pace a little here. So there you go. That was Eddie Money, approximately 1978-ish. And then here is when I started the audio post-production part of my career. This was in New York around 1983, 84, maybe even 85, uh, sitting at the SSL at Howard Schwartz Recording, which that room did audio post-production at an extremely high level during the day. And I also had permission to make records in there at night. Um, I did two or three records with, remember Mike Thorne, who he produced Tainted Love with Soft Cell? Uh, he kept coming back and having me engineer records for him, and I did them in that room. Uh, but most of the stuff was done with the Synclavier, with like a stereo signal coming down a wire. No microphones were involved in the making of that record. Boring, or any of those records. Um, not fun for me. Okay, so then um, I moved to LA and became general manager of a, a post-production company that did video editing, film editing, um, was getting into the audio post-production world. They hired me to develop the audio post-production for them and then decided they didn't want to do it, so they made me general manager of the whole company. 
And after two years, I decided I was either gonna jump off a tall building or leave the company. So I turned in the keys to the company BMW, called Deb, who was my girlfriend at the time, and said, can you come and get me? Cause I had to get back my company car, ouch. Um, and then I went to her house and I had the idea literally sitting at the desk of that office the day I quit for the idea for taxi. And I went to Deb's apartment in Santa Monica and I sat down at, here's something I've never shown you guys before. Holy crap, is this thing heavy. This is, I, I, this thing weighs like 40 pounds. Um, this is the actual computer that I wrote the business plan for Taxi on. It's a, what'd they call them? Uh, 2086? I can't remember. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's, uh, oh crap. Um, that wasn't a fart. That was a computer scraping the netting on my chair. Um, Deb was getting her double master's degree and she was using that as her computer. And I sat down at that computer. I'd never touched a PC before. It didn't even have a mouse. If you wanted to go up a line or down a line or over, you had to cursor to everything. It had no mouse. Um, and uh, I, I had only been using computers for a year or two at that point. And, and they were all the early um, uh, Macintoshes, you know, like the, the Mac classics. And, and I hated that thing. Hated it, hated it, hated it, but I wrote this. Look at that baby. This is the actual business plan. The computer vehicle for the music industry. And I wrote this in November 20th, 1991. So there you go. Um, uh, there's stuff in here. I don't have the time to tell you some of the funny stuff, but you know what? The business plan is pretty on the money, got to say. And almost everything we do today was in that business plan. Um, I did have a Mac 2C, which uh, here, I'll show you that now. So I, I wrote that business plan, flew to Dallas, my friend uh, Jaime, um, aw, thank you, Irina. <laughs> uh, he gave me the money, uh, I flew back to LA, and I bought that computer, which was a Mac 2C, I believe, and the printer, and that little rig sitting on that table, which by the way, I still own that table, it's in our home. Uh, those of you who watch the Quarantini Happy Hours and Taxi TVs that I used to do out of my house during lockdown, and then some, um, probably remember that table if you looked behind me over my shoulder, that table, uh, which is now stained brown, um, still with us. So I've had that table for, I don't know, probably 33, 34 years, something like that. Um, Deb will not let me get rid of it. She says it's part of our family history. Um, so there you go. Um, I did get rid of the chair because I broke it and got one of those upright wooden dowel rods kind of in my butt and hurt. Um, anyway, this was taken the first few months. This was actually taken, I can tell you when it was taken. It was taken in August of 1992 because that's when Deb and, Deb and I got married. 
and my uh, business partner, Michael Letter slash Jaime from Dallas flew out for the wedding uh, and babysat the taxi office for the week that I was gone. But notice those are all the submissions rolled up in their burritos on those little plastic shelves, office organizers, and the brown leather duffel bag I used to fill with tapes and I would drive over to the screeners' houses and sit on their couch and screen with them till the wee hours of the morning. So I would do taxi regular work, customer service work, writing ads, answering the phones, all that stuff all day long, and then around eight o'clock would go over to screeners' houses. Um, sometimes two or three screeners would meet me at another screeners house and we would all put on our Walkman and listen with our headphones to cassettes. <laughs> anyway, that was literally, so uh, if the company got its first check January 15th of 92, so the company was eight months old when that shot was taken. Probably right around the same time that Deb was stuffing the envelopes. Hi, Debs. Um, anyway, there you go. All right. Um, where am I? Oh, okay. So yeah, I, I left that company, um, the post-production company and I had, I think I was paying $3,500 a month in child support and alimony to my first wife. Um, what else? Oh yeah, I had a brand new fiance, namely Deb. Uh, and then I had $22,000 saved up in the bank. And so I started the company and that 22 grand went by by so quickly. Um, I went from having a nice company Beamer that was paid for by them to I bought a, like a 10 year old used Audi that had like 150,000 miles on it. Um, I was driving it uninsured because we were so broke. Um, very scary time in my life. Um, anyway, um, yeah, that was the very beginning 30 years ago. Um, let's see, I've shown the computer. I told the story about the stinky cash, told you about the duffel bags, Showed you the first month. Oh, and now I'm supposed to give away a prize. Yay. Let's give away a copy of Bobby Borg's excellent book, Music Marketing for the DIY Musician. Um, and once again, type in plus ones and Liz will pick another winner. And <laughs> go. Paul Smith wins the book. Congratulations, Paul Smith. Please email Liz at taxi.com. That's L-I-Z at taxi.com. And she will get your street address and we will send you this exceedingly thick, very heavy book right to your personal address. Hopefully you live in the United States in the lower 48, as we like to say. The poor people in Hawaii and 
Alaska. They're not part of the lower 48. Anyway, um, okay, so told you that, told you that. Now you guys get to see something I think I've only shown on Taxi TV once before, and at the moment I can't find it. There it is. All right, first of all, yeah, I don't think I've ever shown you guys this one. Tell me who the person is. The guy on the right is Robert Margoloff, um, who is a record producer, an old friend of mine. And who's that guy on the left? This photo dates back to early 1992. Shirelli, Dan Weber gets another one right. Yep. So this was at the first... Took out, I remember thinking, I can't afford to do this. I think I took out 10 or 11 screeners to a dinner at a restaurant called the LA Farm on the West Side. And it was like a hundred bucks a person. So Jeff Goldblum, nope, same hair though. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I couldn't enjoy the dinner because it was costing me with tip and everything like $1,300, uh, maybe even more. Um, and it was just freaking me out. You know, money was very hard to come by back then. But <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, no, that is not Patrick Mahomes. Uh, as a matter of fact, Shirelli used to hate Patrick Mahomes because he kicked Tom Brady's butt one time in a football game when Brady was still playing for the Patriots, and Shirelli is the consummate Patriot fan because he's from Boston originally. Anyway, uh, yeah, that is a busy shirt, Rob. <laughs> anyway, um, so, oh yeah, uh, the taxi screener dinner. So let me scoot this over. This is a double exposure, so it's kind of like two half photos crammed into one. Um, down in the bottom is the aforementioned Doug Minnick. Um, this is the original 11 screeners, it's like the, the original astronauts, right? The Friendship 7 astronauts. Um, so that's Doug Minnick, who eventually became vice president of Taxi and loved him dearly, still do. Um, above him is Barbara Vanderlyn. She was a publisher. <sighs> at Almo Music, which was owned by, oh, um, <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway, it was a division of a big label, okay? Um, and she's a very well-known, very well-respected publisher who is still in the industry today. Uh, behind her is Bob Margoliff. The gentleman with the broad-brimmed hat was Indiana Jones. I can't remember his name. Um, gentleman behind Margoliff, I think, might be the same guy. And who do you see on the far top right corner? Yes, somebody's already saying it. Uh, dude in the back looks like one of the village people. Nope, Michael Dez gets it right. It was, in fact, oh, some of you got it right. Wow, a lot of you. Uh, is that the Doobie brother? <laughs> yeah, that's the Doobie brother. That's also part of Steely Dan. Um, yep. Jeff Skunk Baxter was one of the original 11 taxi screeners and very proud of, of doing He would talk up taxi wherever he went. Unfortunately, he only wanted to screen while driving around LA in his pickup truck and he wanted to give the critiques on a cassette and he could do like two a day. So love you, Skunk. Awesome dude. 
I have always appreciated how behind taxi you were and probably still are, but we just needed somebody who could do more than two critiques a day. Um, yeah, he was also in Steely Dan. Um, I mean, really, Steely Dan, you know, other than the first album, is just two guys, but um, Skunk did uh, a lot of that stuff. Um, he is also, well, he's not really a rocket scientist so much as he's got the highest security clearance you can get from the U.S. government, or the U.S. military, um, and he advises our military on weapons designs and stuff. And uh, remember the L.A. riots in like 93-ish, somewhere around there? Uh, Skunk Baxter was sitting on top of Sunset Sound with like a shoulder fire rocket launcher just waiting for the bad guys to try and take out his favorite studio. Uh, yep, he was a screener. My friend Tish Diaz played keys with your screener, Craig Pilo, on the Jersey Boys record. Well, there you go, on the Jersey Boys musical. That's cool. Um, Who You know, I can't remember the name of the Superman-looking guy down in front with the white shirt and the black jacket um, and, and the glasses. But if I remember, um, he didn't last very long either. He was a nice guy and a very capable guy, but just couldn't give us the amount of time we needed. Anyway, um, yeah, he is a defense consultant. Um Anyway, so that's that. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, show the screener. I did that. Tell a story. Uh, oh, so did you know that the road rally... I got to pick up my pace, don't I? Uh, the road rally... Um, I, I was frustrated. All the panels that I would sit on other people's conventions were very frustrating because the moderators did a crappy job. So I decided if I ever got to moderate a panel, I was going to actually do my homework and ask questions that the audience really wanted to know, rather than just like, well, it's so hard being in the music business because, gosh, all you do is sit around and smoke weed and listen to music all day, and it's so toxic. Anyway, that's my imitation of a valley guy. Um, sounded more like Thurston Howell III, didn't it? Um, for those of you who are old enough to know who that is. Anyway, uh... I would do taxi advisory panels. I think I did them in, in Dallas, Chicago, New York, Seattle, Los Angeles, in San Francisco. That sounds about right. Maybe Miami. And every other month I would fly to another city, rent a hotel room that had like a conference table in it and spend an entire Saturday and Sunday just eating food drinking drinks and brainstorming ideas, finding out what these taxi members liked about the company, what they didn't like about the company, what they thought we should change, if they had any brilliant ideas for cool stuff that we should do. And one day somebody said, I think you guys should do a convention. And I kind of rolled my eyes, went, oh, and I have no experience in doing those. And it sounds like a lot of work. Um, so we started doing the taxi road rally. And here's a picture, which I've probably shown before, but for those of you who are new, that is what the first road rally looked like at the Hilton in beautiful Woodland Hills, California. It's on Sunday afternoon. A lot of people had gone home. We actually had 300 people in attendance. Um, there I am uh, in the middle with my then business partner, Michael Letter. Thank you, Michael. 
And there's Doug Minnick right there in the middle uh, with us. So there we are, the, the triumvirate. Um, if we look hard enough, Bill Gordon is probably somewhere in that shot. So there's what the road rally looked like in the beginning. And here's what the road rally looks like today. It got a little bigger. Um, so there you go. Um, and I'm going to tell the story about the naked guy because not everybody's heard it. But one year we were in a ballroom about two-thirds the size of this at a different hotel somewhere near LAX. And all of a sudden, Doug Minnick, our vice president, was moderating the A&R panel. And all of a sudden, a guy stands up in the middle of the ballroom on a chair with not one stitch of clothes on and the words um, unknown boy painted in really big letters with black paint on his chest. Everybody in the ballroom was just aghast. Doug froze. He was moderating the panel. I just walked up to him and whispered in his ear. I said, Doug, turn around, save the audience. Uh, if you're going to do a stunt like that, you need the goods to back it up with. And he did, and the audience cracked up, and we had this audio guy who was like Grizzly Adams. He, he was just this giant, burly, lumberjack-looking guy, and he just calmly walked over to the naked guy, picked him up, and carried him out over his shoulder like a log on his shoulder. That's what made me think he reminded me of a lumberjack. Everybody in the ballroom is like, holy crap, I can't believe that guy did that. Um Anyway, that's what happened. Um, another road rally story that I will never forget as long as I live is one of our members who's been known to be in the, in the chat room for Taxi TVs, a very lovely woman from San Diego, I believe, named Janet Snare. And um, Janet was crossing from where the Westin is on Century Boulevard um, in Los Angeles crossing the street to go to the hotel she was staying at, I think across the street or going over to Denny's to grab a bite to eat, whatever it was. She got hit crossing the street and she was crossing with the light. She got plowed into by one of those rental car vans and um, damn near died. And it took her like a couple of years to rehab. And I'm just so glad that she lived and that she's fine. I mean, there may be, you know, stuff that lingers but it's been years now it's probably been i don't know seven or eight years since that happened but janet um if you're in the in the chat room today wave hi to everybody i'm glad you didn't die um so taxi tv let's talk about taxi tv Taxi TV came into being because my daughter called me up one day and said, Dad, there's a bird's nest on a wind windowsill somewhere and the birds are hatching out of the eggs and it's live on the internet. Go to this thing called Ustream. And I checked it out and there was a big red button that said broadcast and I clicked that button and the little green light on my laptop screen went on and, and I realized, oh, I'm broadcasting. So I just started talking about anything related to the music business and 22 people hung out with me. And I went, there's something to this. So it came into work, that was on a Saturday. I came into work on Monday and told everybody, hey, we should do a thing called Taxi TV. And that was the birth of Taxi TV. And I believe that was about 13 years ago. And if you guys remember, we used to do it on Ustream, which was extremely unstable. Um, and the video quality was not nearly this good. I didn't have green hands on Ustream. Um, 
and here we are all these years later still doing it um and i gotta say it's probably my favorite part of the job now although sometimes i wish i could take a month off from it and just enjoy life a little bit because you know it's hard to put together a show every week most of them some of them i just wing it <laughs> um and then there's the Quarantini Happy Hour, which has a very, very fond place in my heart. Quarantini Happy Hour um, came about when uh, they said, everybody needs to lock down at home because we're going to flatten the curve. <laughs> that worked out well, didn't it? <laughs> and so, you know, taxi members on the taxi TV were saying, oh my God, I can't believe this is going to be so stressful. So I said, what the hell? Let's do like a, a, a daily hangout. So we do regular taxi TV on Monday and quarantini happy hours on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, I got very close with, uh, I don't know, 50 to 70 people that would show up every day and, and no grand plan. We would talk about anything from the gophers in my yard um, to the squirrels, to the coyotes, which had become a real problem, um, and just hang out. And, and we just kept each other company because we're all isolating at home. And so I still do them. I'm down to doing one a week now just because I, I don't think that I'm giving away that much education now, and I don't think that many people are stressed out by quarantining anymore. Hope not. Uh, but I, I just love the people. They are the most loyal group of taxi members. They're, they're my tribe, you know, and I just love hanging out with them. So even though I've not met many of them or most of them face to face, I feel like we know each other. So thank you guys for joining me on the Quarantinis. Um, let's see. Uh, people are always asking me, what's the future of taxi? I don't know. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't want to die in the saddle at 80 years old. I don't want to be some wrinkled you know, old dude, you know, with white hair using a walker. <laughs> Comes on taxi TV using a walker. I don't want to be that guy. Um, I've been working on a deal now for probably a year. Uh, I'm actually um, flying out of the country um, coming up in a few days. Uh, to continue working on a deal, it's a business-to-business -business aspect of taxi that ultimately uh, will not make the company a fortune, but what it will do is potentially bring the vast majority of music supervisors to our front door and many, many production music libraries. Um, so the, the benefit for you guys in all that is... I will have many, many more relationships with supervisors and libraries, which means a lot more listings for you guys. That's all I can say about it other than I've been working on it for a long time. We're close to making a deal. I'll let you know when it happens. Um, other than that, I love coming to work most days. Uh, not everybody can love every single day at work, but most days. Um, I love the fact that we all get to help you guys make your dreams come true. Uh, as I've said before, people say, oh, taxi, they sell dreams. We don't sell dreams. We, we sell the tools and the access that make dreams come true. You've already got the dream when you join. Um, how are we doing on time? Oh, I'm doing right up there. guess I'm not going to have any Q&A time. Uh, and finally, I want to thank you guys, our members, um, our especially, especially our members who've been with us since the very, very beginning. Um, it, it takes a village. It takes a loyal following, and it takes a group of customers have a hard time thinking of you guys as customers who deserve the very best that we have to offer every day and so 
thank you. Um, thank you for being our customers for 30, 30 years. I mean, that's half a lifetime for a lot of people. I can't believe I'm doing this after 30 years. I'm glad, but I just never imagined that that would happen. Um, so a little reminder now. We're giving away an hour consult with Craig Pilo, our head screener, who is extremely well-versed in film and TV music. He's also a great producer, an incredible musician, uh, multi-instrumental, mainly a drummer, like literally like an A-list drummer here in LA. Um, and uh, so we're gonna give away an hour of his time to do, uh, and you can do it either on Skype or on the phone. Um, and I'm going to, Robin doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to buy an hour of her time and one of you will win an hour with her. And how we're going to do that is you need to go back to this video when it's up. It'll take a little, you know, a few minutes to render. It'll be up on YouTube. Um, and then, uh, you can drop in comments. Hold on. I've got a note. Write this down. What have you gained from Taxi? write it down. What have you gained from Taxi? Put those comments in the comments below the video on YouTube and the staff is going to pick the best two and the two of you will each win either a Robin or a uh, Craig Hour. Okay? Um, both great prizes. So with that, I hold on, better check my notes, make sure I'm not forgetting anything else. Um, oh, that's it. So we will see you next week. Um, I will be doing a show next week with Robin Frederick. We're going to do song critiques. Um, Brea and Ariana will tell you exactly uh, how to submit your music for possible inclusion on that show. Um, we will be doing it at noon LA time next Monday. Not a regular time, 4 o'clock. We'll be doing it at noon. Um, Yes, I have to go back to Israel. That's where that deal is happening, baby. And I got daughters that live there, so that's about all the uh, motivation I needed to get on an extremely long plane flight and go over there. So thank you all for hanging out. Thank you for being members. Thank you to many of you for being people I personally know and are friends. Uh, Liz is coming to remind me. I just said it. No, but you're saying Robin is next week. It's February 7th. Oh. Next Monday is the 31st, I think. Oh. Next Monday's, I'm sorry, Robin is the seventh. Thank you, Liz. Um, I think we're not doing anything on Monday, January 31st. Sorry, I stand corrected. Robin is Monday, January 7th. I need a week to recuperate from jet lag once I get over there and take care of business, you know? So thank you all. Thank you for being members. Thank you for hanging out with me on the show. Thank you for helping us celebrate our 30th anniversary. <laughs> Dean Crepain's in the house <laughs> oh man anyway it's been a great ride I look forward to a little more road with you guys you're a lot of fun to hang out with thank you all bye bye see you in two weeks bye Gonna let Keith play for a minute.
<laughs> Patch Adams. <laughs>